Welcome to The Point on WCAI. I'm Steve Junker. It's Friday, August 9th, and this is our weekly news roundup when we discuss some of the top local news stories of the week with colleagues in the print and digital media. Joining me from the Cape Cod Times is Cindy McCormick. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning. Members of the Kennedy family gathered at a Centerville church to say final goodbye to Saoirse Kennedy Hill, granddaughter of Robert and Ethel Kennedy. This story was just unfolding with the confirmation of her death last Friday as we went on the air. Tell us about what happened this week. Well, this week, hundreds of people attended the funeral that was at Our Lady Victory Church, and it was um, a, a very sad occasion. She's only 22 years old, you know, about to enter her senior year at Boston College, and uh, it was actually very sort of a private occasion. They had, you know, the, she was the only daughter of, of Courtney Kennedy and uh, Michael uh, Paul Michael Hill. He was one of four men falsely convicted in the 1974 Irish Republican army bombing of two pubs. And so this family has faced, you know, a lot of tragedy. She's the granddaughter of Ethel Kennedy and the late Robert Kennedy. And um, it it seemed to be uh, a quiet occasion. There were uh, several buses carrying Kennedy family friends and and Kennedy family members. And there were, um, but along the route itself, there there weren't that many people lining the route. It was almost like people wanted to give the family their privacy. There were two older women who said that they had, you know, attended church with Ethel and were there just to pay their respects and to support her. And uh, we don't know very much about the circumstances around Saoirse Kennedy Hill's death. We, it was very sad she was a young woman here. Yes, and they said that uh, now the officials are saying the Cape and Islands District Attorney's Office and the police are saying that there was no trauma that was inconsistent with life-supporting measures because the, they were called to the uh, rescue officials were called to the Kennedy compound Thursday afternoon and for an, an unresponsive woman and they're they're waiting that we don't know the cause of death at this point. Um, the officials are awaiting the results of toxicology reports. And this is the Kennedy compound in Hyannisport that uh, was referred to as the Summer White House when. JFK was president. Yeah, this is Marchant Avenue. This is where the family has gathered for so many happy occasions, as well as as well as so many sad occasions. And uh, some of the folks who were here gathered together for this sad occasion included uh, Joseph Kennedy III, who is the uh, congressman now, U.S. representative, and also uh, other members of the family. Yeah, Mar- Maria Shriver and uh, Edward M. Kennedy Jr. The, they were um, the, many, many people among the program and the pallbearers who, who took part in the ceremony. There were extended members of the Kennedy family there. Max Kennedy. It was, um, it was, it was another gathering, of, another huge gathering of the family. Uh, another unfortunate gathering for the Kennedy family here during the summer. Right, and it- and and she. Um, and, and Saoirse Kennedy Hill had been had written very movingly about her experiences with depression when she was a student at Deerfield Academy here in Massachusetts, and she wrote the school newspaper about her battle with it and how it felt a he- like a heavy boulder on her mm. and uh, and the toll that it had taken on her in her young life. But she was also, you know, her family said that she was sparkling and committed to causes of justice and just had a had a fierce personality and a very loving and was a very loving and determined person, uh, just only 22 years old. And a a student at BU right now. At BC. She was entering her senior year. Yeah, she was entering her senior year at BC, where she was, I believe, vice president of the Democrats Club, the Democrats Club. 
Cindy, let me ask you about a story that's been unfolding all week long. The state has raised the risk level in Falmouth for the mosquito-borne virus Eastern Equine Encephalitis, also called Triple E. This is an extremely unusual incidence on Cape Cod. Yes, yes. This is the uh, this uh, the. The risk level in Falmouth has been raised from low to moderate. It's uh, not high risk like other parts of the state. But this is the first time on the Cape uh, since 2016 that pools of mosquitoes have tested positive for eastern equine encephalitis. And in Falmouth last week, five pools were tested uh, of the... of pools tested, five were found to contain infected mosquitoes. Triple A is pretty scary because although it's extremely rare, it has a 50% mortality rate. Mm. So this all started, uh, they took some tests on July 30th, and they routinely test pools around the Cape. And that first sample that came back positive was July 30th. They put out some more tests, and we got more information this week that there were that they had four found more, more pools, of these right, pools, right. More, right? Right, yeah. And so, and in all, there have been four pools that have tested positive in Woods Hole and one in Falmouth Center. And Gabrielle Sikalski of the Cape Cod Mosquito Control said, you know, they don't know how many mosquitoes were test were considered positive. They just know they t- they just look at a sampling from the pool, and if there's one, you know, mosquito t- from the pool, it's tested positive, then the, that is considered positive test. And it depends on the type of mosquito, too, because she's most concerned about two pools that contain a mosquito, a mosquito species that bite hum, that bites humans and other animals. And so that's a concern because this is, this is the type of mosquito that could actually pass on the disease to humans. Now, I talked to Gabrielle Skokolsky this week, and she told me that they had only found four samples of this in the entire uh, 26 years that she had been doing this uh, previous to this week. And this week, they've already found more than that. They found five. So that kind of gives you a sense of of how unusual this is right now. Yeah, the Falmouth uh, health agent, Scott McCann, said that this is very rare, and uh, it's, it's dangerous, but very rare. And the other four times were in 2006 in both Dennis and Barnstable, 2012 in Brewster, and 2016 in Yarmouth. Now, there has never yet been a case, fortunately, of a human being infected with triply on the Cape. When people get sick, they can get sick very quickly, especially with neurological symptoms. They can go into a coma, have encephalitis, brain swelling. Like I said, there's a 50% mortality rate. And then people who do survive often have lifelong neurological difficulties. So it is extremely rare, but very dangerous. And the onset is a very high fever. Uh, right. Tell us, tell us about what they're going to do now. They say they're going to spray for these mosquitoes. Yeah, on Wednesday they're going to be doing a tr- uh, spraying by truck at night. They're going to do it at night because they said that the bees won't be out at night, and so it will not affect the bees. And they've already treated the pools, like swampy areas. They've already treated the larvae, but the truck spraying is directed at the adults. And and, they're go- and that's planned for Wednesday, but if it rains, it'll be August nineteenth. Because they can't do this if it's raining. Uh, right. Tell us about what it is they're spraying. Do we know? I don't know too much about what they're spraying, but um, it's a uh, it, it is. It is uh, something called um, a compound. It's called, I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this correctly, Xenovex E4, R-T-U. And that will kill uh, the adult mosquitoes as they fly. And uh, so that is, uh, uh, like I said, they've already treated the larvae, but they, but now because of the risk level, they're actually going to be out there spraying the, uh, doing the air sp- spraying at, at night, as, as has taken place across southeastern Massachusetts and Plymouth and Norfolk counties. And this is a very big year for Triple uh, E overall. I think last year only two pools statewide tested positive, and this year they've seen many, many more of them. Yeah, so far uh, this year, the Triple E 
virus has been found in 186 mosquito samples in the state, and half of them are from species that are capable of being spread to people. And so far this year, no animals or humans have tested positive. Now, the most recent fatality in the state was in 2013, and there were also four deaths between 2010 and 2012, which was considered sort of an outbreak period. And as you say, they're concerned about a couple different types of mosquitoes. There's mosquitoes that only bite birds, and the concern there is that they can transmit the disease to other birds, which sort of amplifies the incidence of Tripoli in the area. And then there's right. the, the mosquitoes that can bite the birds that carry it and will bite also humans, too. So they're transmitting into the human population. Right. So or has I'm that not, potential to do that? Again, there are two pools in Falmouth that contain uh, something, Coccoletidia, perturbans, and that's one that bites humans. I I don't think you have to try to pronounce that one. Yeah, that's the one that can bite humans and other animals. And then there was a third pool that was infected by the bird-biting mosquito, Culex molinura, and that, that, as you mentioned, that amplifies the triple E virus by spreading it from bird to bird. And then um, next to an infected pool in the Falmouth Center next to Town Hall contained the same species that was detected in a woods hole July 30th, and that's a Culex pipians. Uh, species and that bites mammal. It does bite mammals, but it does not usually transmit the virus to humans, so it's not considered as dangerous. And they found these pools in Woods Hole, as you said, and in Falmouth. Yeah, four of the pools were found in Woods Hole, and one was found right there in Falmouth Center, next to Town Hall. Let's talk about tornado aftermath. Still, towns continue calculating the bill for the July tornadoes that touched down in Yarmouth and Harwich and caused storm damage in other towns as well. If that figure gets high enough, it will trigger federal disaster aid. Yeah, it needs to get to be about $9.6 million in storm-related costs, but that's a cost carried by towns, not by private residents. So that's the that's a little uh, uh, question mark there. And so towns are still tallying these costs, and this is, as you mentioned, there were the three tornadoes that blew through the Cape July 23rd, and they know it's millions of dollars, but what the breakdown is between the uh, residential costs, private citizens' costs, and the town costs is what's, is what's the question. And also there wasn't, like, much damage to town buildings or municipal buildings, which is good in one, in one way, but it also like means that you can subtract that from that $9.6 million threshold that you have to meet. And what towns are really dealing with are thousands and thousands of trees down. It's like 3,000 trees mm. in Harwich alone. And um, that, that's costing them money to like collect all the trees, chop them up, and, and put them through, through a grinder. I think it, it can cost, um, and Yarmouth are saying it's like $4,000 a day to run their their, uh, their grinder at the landfill that pulverizes all this tree debris. But And they said, you know, the towns are going to take a big hit if they don't get the aid, but they're just hoping to meet that mark. If they don't meet the federal uh, disaster threshold of $9.6 million, there's a chance that they can get aid from the state for this still. Yeah, they'd have to like pursue other means because they were saying that town officials are saying they'd be financially devastated if they uh, if they don't get this type of aid because it is millions of dollars worth of uh, worth worth of cleanup money, and um, and the other cost is the labor, the overtime and the labor for having people out there. This took enormous enormous amounts of labor to clean up after the storm. I think today is the date for the towns to report their costs to the state so we may get a better sense of this as we go forward. Yeah, they have to submit their initial estimates today to the Massachusetts Emergency Management Agency. So this is just the initial estimates because they're still working on, they don't really know how much it will cost. Um, the um, And Yarmouth, uh, the, ta- uh, the, the town administrator, Christopher Clark, said that he has estimated it would be about... Oh, 
3.2 million dollars mm. and then in Yarmouth there are, um, the uh, town administrator Daniel Napkett was estimating it would cost Yarmouth at least 1 million dollars and again that's the tree contractors the equipment the employee overtime running that grinder and uh, so the costs are adding up quickly but whether they will meet that federal threshold is is the question I want to ask you briefly about one more story here. The public and the media have been shut out from meetings of a regional group that's looking at possible strategies for dealing with sharks. And there's a growing sense that these discussions should be welcoming public input. Your reporter, Doug Frazier, took a look at this. Yeah, because the question is the public obviously is very very concerned about this situation, wants to have a voice and a role in this uh, management of interactions between sharks and humans in, in our environment, but they're finding that there are a few ways to express their concern. And so what's happening is, uh, as uh, this is actually, uh, they're spilling over at, at, into meetings of the Barnstable County Board of Commissioners. So this, sum, for instance, this summer, three meetings of the Barnstable County Board of, Commis- of Regional Commissioners have been dominated by discussions of great white sharks. And there have been concerned citizens showing up up scientists, animal rights advocates, also people who are selling various shark detection devices or, you know, uh, uh, detection devices or protection devices. And the the commissioners are saying, or like Ronald Bergstrom, who's the chairman of the commission, is saying, but we don't have any authority in this area. Mm -hmm. We don't manage the great white shark population. We don't have that mandate. We don't have the money to do it. But these people are coming here because this is where they can have a, a public voice. There there are discussions going on now, but they're between town administrators and there's a consultancy report out. But in not, yeah. again, it's all kind of behind closed doors. And, and Yeah, so far it feels to the public like it's very much behind closed doors. There's a meeting of the Regional Shark Working Group of, that's a you know, town employees, state shark scientists, environmental police, also members of the nonprofit Atlantic White Shark Conservancy, but that's not open to the public or the media. Also, meetings between town managers and the Cape Cod National Seashore officials have also been closed to the public. And that's, you know, upset people like Heather Doyle of Wellfleet. She co-founded a Facebook group called Cape Cod Ocean Community, and she says it has more than 500 members, and she says the shark issue really warrants transparency. Now, town and regional officials will counter with that and they'll say, well, we did hold a series of community forums and got lots of public comments. And that was following the death in September of uh, Arthur Medici. He died off Wellfleet while he was uh, bodyboarding. He was killed by a great white shark. Uh, There is a consultancy report, the Woods Hole Group, I think, putting together a report that's supposed to look at some possible strategies and that's maybe supposed to come together after the end of the summer here. So uh, some folks saying when that comes out, there'll be plenty of time for other people, for the public generally to weigh in. Yeah, the Woods Hole Research Group is a private group and was hired by six outer Cape towns and the sh- and, and the seashore to evaluate shark deterrence and protection methods. And uh, they are saying that they have, and State Senator Julian Sear said that he expects that once they release their report, which is expected to come out in September, that he expects at that time there'll be robust pu- a robust public engagement process. This is the News Roundup. I'm Steve Junker. With us from the Cape Cod Times has been Cindy McCormick. Cindy, thanks for joining us. You're welcome.